You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What is good, everybody? Welcome to another SB Nation NFL show. This is The Look Ahead. I'm Rob Stats Guerrero, And with me, as always, on this Friday, as we adjust to the offseason schedule, is RJ Ochoa from Blogging the Poise. What is up, RJ? What's going on, Stats? I am coming to you from a bit of a different physical environment than I normally am in. Not my standard operating procedure, the RJ Cave, uh, as nobody calls it. I am talking to you from the worst city in the state of Texas. I've been a resident of Texas my entire life. Uh, It is an incredible place, God's country, as many people like to call it, but uh, talking to you from the worst city that the Republic has to offer. You're in the city of Austin, are you not? I am. I am also a fighting Texas Aggie, so I can recognize the greatness and the flaws that the state of Texas has to offer. Uh, The ATX, you know, big deal. So what? They have cool (laughs) food, right? Like culture. You know, it is like they have a new soccer team. It's great. But you know what College Station has? Texas A&M University. Hullabaloo. Connect, connect. I have a dear friend that lives in Austin, but apparently his city is trash. So I can't wait. To Matthew McConaughey that. is a dear friend of yours. Yes, that's that's exactly who it is. Sometimes <laughs> he comes over in his Lincoln and we talk for hours. Um, so you have spent, uh, speaking of hours, many of those in a car today. Two questions for you. What is your road snack of choice? Like the one thing, you know, you're taking a car trip. You have this in your car. So um, I don't have it in the car. It's kind of standard procedure. My wife and I are very accustomed to road trips. And so we have like our typical gas stations or rest stops that we stop at and peruse and get, you know, loaded up or whatever. And I have the same regimen because part of it is really based out of efficiency. It's so that I can stay awake because I'm doing the driving. Uh, She's working. You know, she's not like slacking or anything. Uh, But uh, so I get a king size Reese's peanut butter cup. So it comes with four Reese's peanut butter cup. Uh, cups and I get an orange sugar-free monster just for laser eye focus on the road. Um, if I have to have like a what's in the bag type of snack, I guess that's kind of what you were asking. Um, you are a northeastern person, so you've probably never heard of Bucky's, uh, but Bucky's has these yogurt-covered pretzels that are delicious, and I might get those tomorrow on the second half of our journey. So you go all candy, basically. You're not going like. You know, a sandwich or something like that. You're you're a sweet tooth guy. Well, it's not only that I'm a sweet tooth guy, but like a sandwich or a burger are difficult to eat on the road. Um, Like I I don't like having to hold it. And then you've got to like do some some steering with your knees. Uh, What I will (laughs) say, and again, you um, you don't have as much experience with this uh, as as us Southerners do. Uh, I know you've had Whataburger stats, but for those who are experienced when it comes, oh, you've never had Whataburger. That explains honestly a lot of of who you are. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Well, you went to the Super Bowl in Houston. You missed your chance. I mean, so, you know, it is what it is. But uh, 
we have a lot of blog and the boys listeners shout out to the greatest site that SB nation has to offer, of course. Um, and Whataburger has a great number of options that I obviously love. One of them is they have, they're not chicken tenders, they're chicken bites. So they're kind of smallish, um, kind of like massive tater tots. And they come in a box, like a little, you know, paper cardboard box. I know whatever. what a box is, RJ. Right. And so we have those in the Northeast. May, maybe you've seen pictures of Whataburger's ketchup stats, but they're not like your little flimsy packets. They're these little cups and you peel the top off and you dip things in the little cup. And so again, I love my wife. She's perfect. I've got the best wife in the world. You've got the second best wife in the world. Sorry, stats. Uh, but so my wife will typically fashion my box, you know, like she'll set the ketchup up in one little corner. And like that's if I want something meaty, that's the meal for me because it's a it's an easy to eat while driving sort of thing as opposed to a burger or a sandwich. That is so funny that you say that because when my wife and I go on road trips and I did not. This is not something that we worked out. It's something she has always done. Like I usually do the driving, like you said, and if we have any sort of food, even if it's like McDonald's or whatever, she thinks it's the responsibility of whoever is in the passenger seat mm-hmm. to essentially set things up for the driver. If I want a French fry, she'll reach into the bag. She'll grab a French fry for me. Like it is an amazing system. Again, I did not you know, ask her to do it. She did it on her own, but I am pretty glad that she does because it's fantastic. Yeah. What's what's your go to McDonald's order if you're on the road? Because there, there's a, an answer. And I think it's obvious based on what I said. Chicken nuggets. That's right. You get the 20 piece. You get the sweet and sour. You set it up and you got to be careful. That's why when you're going on road trips, you can't eat a, or, or wear a white shirt because, you know, you're going to be risking it with every bite with sweet and sour sauce or ketchup. That's true. And I like to go chocolate shake. I don't go soda. That's a really classic stats thing. I don't have a problem with that. It's not something I do, uh, but I can recognize the greatness within you there. The French fries with the chocolate shake. You get the saltiness of the French fry, the savoriness there, and then bam, you get the chocolate shake. Like that is a that's an all time duo. So I agree. Uh, speak, speaking of duos, though, you said you had two things related to my road trip. So the first was what was my go to snack of choice? What is the second thing? What are you listening to? It's interesting you say that. Um, so I guess we're like fully pulling back the curtain here, which is like standard look ahead procedure, if we're being honest. I told stats that I had a random thing that I wanted to talk about. And so sometimes like sometimes you get in the mood on a road trip, but you just have to listen to music like you reach that point. Uh, I mentioned my wife was working, so I threw on the AirPods and I was there's a, uh, a playlist. AirPods I have on Spotify. while driving? Well, she was working, so I was being considerate. You know what I you mean? You can't like, tell me that you get the monster energy drink for, quote, laser focus on the road and then throw in the AirPods, which then block out the outside noise, the outside ambiance that you need to be a fully alert driver. I don't need that. I've got laser eye vision focused stats. And I'm like my vision is so enhanced that like it, it, it overcomes my lack of hearing in that particular moment. So um, so it works out. But sometimes you need music. So I have a, a 90s throwback playlist that I like to go to when I drive. Uh, I forgot about the song Perfect Day. I buy I think it's Hoka um, at the end of Legally Blonde. It's a really great jam. I forgot about it. It does make me think of Legally Blonde, though, when Elle Woods graduates from Harvard. Uh, but I also obviously listen to a lot of podcasts. And sometimes, you know, it's a great opportunity to catch up on some more long-form podcasts. I'm a big fan of Kyle Brandt's podcast, 10 Questions. Kyle Brandt, friend of the SB Nation NFL show. We had him on the week of the Super Bowl, played four questions with him, kind of a, uh, a spinoff of his own game. And I listened to the Michael Strahan episode. 
And my random thing for you stats is how many players are there in NFL history, NFL lore, who are undeniably the greatest player to ever wear that jersey number? I was thinking about oh, this. Oh, man. Um, undeniably. That's the, that's the hook. Because so you're going I thought, Strahan ninety two. No, Reggie White's ninety two. But like, I like the thought. Mm. The thought started with Strahan, and so I thought like, there's no debate that Reggie White is the greatest ninety two of all time. There's debate for a lot of numbers, right? Like you and I could have a debate for hours over number eight, for example, right? Um, there are very, very, very few. Like twelve is like ripe. Maybe it's Brady, but Brady. I mean, twelve has so many. Okay, fine, but that's not fair because he's Brady. But still, like, how many numbers are there that just undeniably there is a goat at that number? 80, Jerry Rice. Yeah. That's another. With, but again, not question. fair. It's Jerry Rice. Well, but that's the point, right? That's what you're looking for when we're having this discussion. You're looking for the guy that says, oh, it's not fair because they're the clear-cut winner. That's true. What about one? Warren Moon? Is that in that stratosphere? Yeah, but Warren, look out, Warren, because there's competition coming for you, especially now that they expanded the numbers, like the monopoly on that. It's going to get a lot tougher for you, Warren. So I remember when I was like 16 playing a game of Madden online with somebody that was talking all this trash, and they brought up Brett Favre. And while there are a lot of contenders that wear number four now, although some of them have kind of fallen off, Derek Carr never really was a contender. Obviously, we have no idea what Deshaun Watson's career is going to look like. Dak Prescott clearly going to overcome him. By the way, I don't know if you know this stats. Dak Prescott's rookie year, he had not thrown an interception deep into the season. And then the Cowboys went to Lambeau Field and played the Packers. And at halftime, Dak had no picks. He shook Brett Favre's hand at halftime. And then came out and threw a pick in the second half. So no big deal. But uh, but I think Brett is in that conversation right now, at least. Like, there's not another four that remotely challenges him. I think that is totally fair. And it's apropos that you bring up Dak Prescott because something happened with him this week that we're going to talk about. So we're going to get to that. I have a huge bone to pick with Julio Jones that we're going to get to that you don't understand. But I'll explain further in the pod. But we got to start with another quarterback that plays at Lambeau Field, RJ, and that's Aaron Rodgers, because this whole Aaron Rodgers saga continues to turn. There always seems to be another thing that pushes it forward. I used to produce a show for Eric Casillas at NBC Sports, and he used to say that stories like this are like fires. And in order for them to keep burning, you need to feed them oxygen. There has to be another thing that comes out that provides oxygen for the fire to burn. And this week, it's James Jones of the Packers who says, number one, he thinks Rodgers is going to be at training camp. But number two, that Aaron's big issue with the team isn't who the Packers have drafted or who they've brought in in free agency. It's who they've allowed to leave the team or, or kicked off the team, essentially, Jordy Nelson, Jake Kumaro apparently is a big one. People like that. That is where Aaron's bone seems to be with the Green Bay Packers. So James Jones has proven this isn't like, um, you know, all due respect to friend of the show, Mark Schlereth. But when Mark Schlereth came out the day of the draft and said, yeah, Aaron to Denver is a done deal. And then like nothing happened. Uh, that <laughs> still could happen. But the point is, at least at the time of this recording, nothing happened. James Jones, though, has had a lot of 
quote unquote scoops, especially Packers related scoops. And he's obviously had a great post football career, but he has broken some news before for NFL Network. And that should be set um, because I think his, you know, I don't say opinion, but his reporting, I guess you could call it, is substantiated in this case. And if this is true, and we obviously should operate under the assumption that it is for the reasons that I just said, I actually think that Aaron is a little bit more disconnected from reality than somebody might have already thought because I actually totally believe that it makes sense to want to have a say in who the team is acquiring, right? Like who's the new blood on your team. But like the Jordy Nelson example specifically is a horrible example, <laughs> like to reflect Aaron's ability to GM a team, like right? Like the moment, I mean, it was so clear and obvious when Oakland at the time signed Jordy that he was washed. And when he showed up over there, he was washed. By the way, Jordy, a sneaky contender for 87, by the way, just no big deal uh, when it comes to players that potentially dominate a number, but I digress. Anyway, that, and Jake Kumaro, like that's the thing, like I can totally, like it makes a lot of sense to be all man this is really messed up that you spent this first round pick on Jordan Love that could have been a cool weapon for me that like everyone can get on board with that logic but the logic of being upset about the Packers moving on from players who are clearly past their prime and the Packers an organization that has like nothing but success in that method I mean I don't know I, I for the first time I am maybe a little bit less team Rogers in the world of logic than I was before yeah, that's a good point by you. Like the worst person to evaluate who you should let go is a guy who spent significant time in the locker room, significant personal time, perhaps getting to know these people. Like that's the last guy you want to ask because they have no objectivity. They are too close to the person. They're too close to the player to be able to see objective reality. And so Rogers is just dead wrong on this. You want somebody who's removed, who has the perspective that you don't have to make those calls because that's what your team has to do, especially in a salary cap league, to be successful. Yeah, and I mean, was that like, again, the important point is, were the Packers wrong? Like, is, is Jordy balling out somewhere else to where Aaron can be all... Told you guys, you you really stepped in it, letting Jordy Nelson go. And what's more is, again, like sticking to this specific example, is the departure of Jordy really allowed Devontae Adams to own the Packers offense, which has proven to be a highly successful thing. Um, so I don't know if James Jones's objective was to, I don't want to say cape, but go to bat for Rodgers in this particular moment, but it, it has the opposite effect to me. Like this makes Rodgers look, I, I don't think he has, I get people characterizing it as this, but I don't think he has acted petulant or silly or greedy. Like the way he has acted in a vacuum is fair and rational in terms of wanting, you know, like again, in the spirit of him wanting help, that is fair and rational, right? We, we both agree with that. The methods he's going to sort of uh, display that message are certainly debatable, but the, the spirit of it is correct. If this is the true spirit of it, then yeah, like, your, your ground zero here is flawed, Aaron. Like, I can't get on board with you if your true gripe is that Brian Gutekunst thought that Jordy Nelson was done when he clearly was. Well, here's the other part of the James Jones quote that struck me. If Aaron Rodgers just shows up to training camp after all this, after, you know, having it come out the day of the draft that he's furious with the Packers and he's done and Gutekunst has got to go and all this stuff, and he just shows up to training camp like what 
what the hell, man? Like, what are you doing? What was your goal and all that? You just wasted everybody's time. Like, you you've you've put yourself in this position now where I'm done playing for the Packers. Like that's the ground you've staked out. And then you just show up to training camp. If I'm the Packers, I'm like, I'm never going to take anything you say seriously ever again. Cause here's you, here you are right when you needed to show up. The other thing about that is you're right. But, and we both love Tio. I think we're in the minority there, which is unfortunate that not enough people love and respect Tio and, and who he was as an NFL player. But, T.O., okay, like, if you want to, like, you know, if you want to throw a riff, like, during your career with the Cowboys, fine. Like, at, at that point, your your reputation is what it is, right? Like, lean into it, whatever. Like, <laughs> you can't change a lot of minds. But prior to now, Aaron was so beloved. And I'm not saying that that is necessarily completely different uh, by Packers fans. But, like, you have injected this thing now, right? Like, in 10, 15, 20 years, when Packers fans look back, they're going to say, you know what, man, like I'll, that the way Aaron was at the end, you know, like that just that just sticks with me. You know, that just I can't get over that. And then I was, <laughs> you know, it was a big point in my life, too. And I all I had going for me was the Packers and Aaron Boone did. Does this person live in New York that roots with the Packers? Like what? What I was that? I don't know. But my throat is really hoarse and I had to take a swig of water. Um, but I do think. I feel like people are so quick to to be all, this is the new thing, right? Like the NFL is becoming more like the NBA. Like we're so quick to label whatever movement or narrative is happening. But we're also, I mean, it's Friday, but, you know, shocker, everyone rec- recording Thursday again. The the curtain is completely open. Stats is, <laughs> is bare and, and can be seen by all. But like today, Russell Wilson came out and said, no, I didn't ask to be traded. What? Like, like in what universe are you? No, nobody believes you guys. You know what I mean? Like you're just you you can be honest and tell us I'm not happy. I want to win more. I don't feel like that is going to happen here. That may or may not be 100 percent correct, but at least you're being honest. Like treat us like we're intelligent people. I was just going to bring that up with Aaron Rodgers. I actually hadn't seen this Russell Wilson thing. This is infuriating to me, right? Because like you said, it's insulting our intelligence. Because I bet you if Rodgers showed up for training camp, that's exactly what he said. Well, I never said I wanted to be traded. Because Aaron Rodgers has like, he thinks we can't see what he's doing. He thinks he's the smartest person in the room when he's really not. Like, he lets everybody else speak for him. He uses phrases like beautiful mystery. And he thinks he's being like really coy, right? And he's just not. Like, it, your strategy is blatantly obvious. And apparently, Russell Wilson now is doing the exact same thing, which is asinine, okay? Especially when you're Russell Wilson and you're so drastically deviating from the guy you've been the entire rest of your career where you never said anything bad about the Seahawks. You ended every interview with go Hawks. And then all of a sudden you're going on Dan Patrick and Rich Eisen and every damn show you can get behind a microphone on and talk about how dissatisfied you are with the Seattle Seahawks. There's a reason they were negotiating with the Chicago bears and it ain't because they wanted Nick Foles. Okay. Like do not insult our intelligence. We can all see what is happening here. Don't pee on my leg and tell me it's raining. They're hedging their bets and they're entitled to do that, right? Like they're they're trying to curry a sector of fans because there are a sector of Seahawks or Packers fans that will be like, see, Russ never asked for a trade. You guys were crazy when you were telling me that back in March and April. 
And, you know, and then when or if, you know, Russell or Aaron, you know, get traded in 2022, uh, my friend, I won't say who really died on a hill that was like, Russell Wilson's going to be elsewhere in 2021. But again, we don't have to name names. When that happens, Russell come out and be like, you know, I've been looking forward to an opportunity like this for, for all of my career. You know, I'm, I'm chasing greatness. And, you know, the, the thing about, about Russell Wilson is, I mean, he wants to play the Russell Wilson way. And, and the Russell Wilson way used to be the Seattle Seahawks way. But now it's the New York Giants way. Now it's the Philadelphia Eagles way. And we're just we're excited to chase greatness. Go Birds. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Please, I, I can't deal with that. I mean, I, I just read the full Russell Wilson quote. This is this is such bullshit. Like, it is shoveling. You didn't request a trade, Russ? Then why do we have a list of teams that you'd be willing to go to? Like, did you just, <laughs> like we know the teams you wanted to go. What the hell? Like, I hate this. I, this drives me nuts. And I think it's wh- exactly what you said. Like, they're trying to preserve this aura of, like, I'm a good guy, team guy. Like, that is such a crock of shit. Russ, you demanded to be traded like just because you didn't exactly say the words i demand to be traded doesn't mean that's what you didn't do like oh this drives me nuts now i have even more reason to hate russell wilson and i hope the 49ers ground him into the dirt when they play him next year it's the classic um like i'm an only child so i didn't experience this with like a younger sibling but i mean you know like cousins or friends or whatever but like the classic i'm not touching you i'm not touching you i'm not touching like you know what i mean like that's what russell and aaron are doing here and it's silly in my mind um i get why they're doing it and i get that it's all part of the song and dance i don't know that i think that's the difference and i'm not trying to make one better or worse than the other i don't think aaron is as willing to sing and dance as russell is russell cares about his fans and he cares about like a a great final chapter in Seattle. I don't think Aaron does. And I mean, a lot of people have tried to read into the mind of Aaron Rodgers. Maybe he does. Um, But I mean, that, that could be where they are truly different. Um, I mean, I don't know. And, and I think, I mean, I don't know where Russell is different as well is Russell isn't peeing on us and telling us it's raining like because that's what Aaron's doing. Aaron, Aaron, in his first interview, if he did go back to green Bay would be like, well, what did I tell Kenny Maine? You know, you tell me, what did I say? You know what I mean? And then, like, the reporter would say, well, you said this. He'd be like, yeah, I mean, that's how I, that's how I feel, you know? Like, we're just – we're figuring things out. And we were figuring things out then. And, you know, when you're on the island of Hawaii, you're figuring things out there. But, like, Russell isn't about that. Like, Ru- Russell is go Hawks at, at his core, right? Where, whoever the Hawks are is is a different sort of floating thing. Now they just have to be the Hawks. So he's invested in being go Hawks guy once again. Yeah, if I play for the Seahawks right now, do I really believe what Russell Wilson's saying? Do I really believe he's all in? Like, no, I don't. Would you? No, but I mean, how many guys to that point do you really believe? And we're talking, you know, seasoned veterans, guys who are further along into their careers. How many guys do you really believe are all in to their teams? And this gets into like a fan complex, but But he's not just any guy, though. I know. He's a quarterback. Right. So my point here is, and I know you wanted to talk about Dak Prescott. One of the things that I and many Cowboys fans love about Dak is that he loves being a Cowboy. You know what I mean? Like you really feel like it is, they are his favorite team. Like it is his dream to be to be playing quarterback for his favorite team. And in a way that connects you to him on a deeper level, if that makes sense. I know you've experienced that with some players, too. And I don't I, I think that that used to be there for Russell Wilson. And that is just it's fading. That's all that's happening. It's it's the classic final episode of Boy Meets World. Like he hates change and everybody's moving on. Solid reference by you. 
the thing we all want as fans that we really hope deep down that the players care as much as we do. Right. That's why we like rivalry games, because it's like the one time where we feel like they are as invested as we are. That's what we secretly want. And so when you see a guy like Dak, like you said, who really does seem like he enjoys and, and appreciates being the Dallas Cowboys quarterback, that does make you like him more. That that gives him a special place in your fandom, for sure, because those guys are rare. Most of the guys treat it like a job, which is totally fine, by the way. I have no problem with that. Most of the guys treat it as a job. They'll play for your team. They'll play for another team. Brett Favre played for the Minnesota Vikings and happily played for the Minnesota Vikings. Would have played for them a year earlier if he could have, but the Packers made sure he couldn't do that. So then that's fine. But when the when the guy seems to line up with your level of love for the team, that's the sweet spot. And that's why what he went through with his contract situation was so unique because I think a normal situation would call for the team in that case to leverage that against him, right? Like you want to be here. You love us. Like, so you're willing to take less. And Dak was willing to, I don't know about compromise that, but he was at least willing to risk it to some degree. And it, it literally worked out for him in the best possible way. Except for the dislocated compound fracture. Well, I mean, if we're, if we're talking, if we're talking about the contract that he got, he got paid, right. he got, right. he got paid an exorbitant amount last year because of the franchise tag, obviously is a new, you know, sponsorship. I mean, it's, it's pretty good life to be Dak Prescott these days. Oh yeah, it's absolutely. As you talked about it, he's signing a five-year agreement with the Jordan brand. Adios Adidas. Hello, Jordan. He's the only Jordan brand quarterback, the only Cowboys player, and the highest paid NFL player on the Jordan brand roster, according to Adam Schefter. So congrats, Dak. Life is good. That's the thing, too. Like, he's a badass. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like beyond the fact that he is all of these things, he is. People used to say, you know, people used to ask a lot, you know, Dak's rookie, like, what is it about his leadership? Because that was always the thing, right? Like, people are like, he's such a great leader. He's such a great leader. Such a great leader. Like, what does that mean? I think we learned what it means last year, by the way, when he was absent, because literally the week after he was gone was when the report from inside the locker room about strife from players and coaches and whatever leaked out. I mean, he mitigates all of that. He is just, we all went to high school with that one person in your high school's case stats, it was you, you were the one person that was just (laughs) naturally good at everything, right? Like just showed up and was good at whatever. If I say this all the time, but like back when you would have the, the LAN uh, halo parties, like when you would physically connect one Xbox to the other with like massive, like 18 foot cables or whatever, like the guy who had never played halo before and showed up, it was just the best. The guy when you would play knockout in the driveway was just the best. The guy who you'd be playing ping pong, never did it before, pick up a paddle and was just the best. And that's Dak. Like he's just that dude. And, and people follow him and people love him. And it's, um, it's pretty cool to have him be the face of your franchise. I hated that guy in high school. I couldn't do anything. <laughs> it was you. I'm telling you. Like, if we go and ask, um, I'm going to guess your high school's name, Fairfield High School, uh, they would say that that guy was stats. Uh, no, I went to Sacred Heart High School. And wow. I can... was, Doc, was Dr. Kelso there? No, but this was before Scrubs came out. So that <laughs> tells you how old I am. Um, this is my, I was not that guy who was good at everything. I have to say, I do not have much athletic ability, but thankfully I have enough athletic ability in whatever sport I choose to play that I'm not the worst. I won't embarrass mm. myself. I'm not going to stand out as like, hey, that guy's awesome, but I am not going to stand out for just being an absolute train wreck out there. That's um, that's a good 
kind of sweet spot to live in. Like you're, you're always needed. You're always around. You're already always on the team. Uh, I have one elite quality. That's it. Like, and everything else is just like below average. And it's more on the basketball court than it is anything else. But I am remarkably good. And like, I can't believe this is what I'm talking about on our show um, at intercepting passes. Like, I'm just a great lurker and, and a great <laughs> pouncer in those moments. Uh, there was a guy uh, in middle school who had an incredible high school career in South Texas, Meshach Rivas, one of the greatest Texas high school running backs of all time. Uh, but he was a point guard because he was so athletic and so gifted. And no big deal. He was on the A team and I was on the B team in middle school because – Again, you know, all the reasons mentioned. And he tried to pass it to somebody and I picked him off and ran it back for a layup and turned around and the whole gym was like stunned. So, uh, yeah, yeah, never thought I'd uh, get to brag about that into a microphone. But here we are. (laughs) Dreams come true. This guy makes one bad pass. You happen to the ball falls into your hands and then you get an uncontested layup. That was the peak of your (laughs) basketball. You know what? I still remember all those plays like that that happened to me in my quote-unquote athletic career, and they are nowhere near as good as that. So shout out to you. All right, let's take a break. And when we come back, I will explain why I have a bone to pick with Julio Jones because he is doing the one thing that infuriates me most of all when it comes to professional athletes. We're back here on the look ahead. All right, RJ, I talked about Julio Jones and my bone I have to pick with him because he's wearing number two. No, That's your although that looks hideously bad. I mean, the, the Titans numbers are just disgusting and the single yeah. digits do not look good there. But anyway, so Julio Jones gave a press conference, his first one with the Tennessee Titans. And he said, and I quote, and I want to be accurate here for those questioning my health, stay tuned. And he's doing the thing that a lot of athletes do and some media people do, especially to, uh, People like me who cover a team who don't, you know, I'm not credentialed. I don't go to the press conferences and ask questions, but I, you know, clearly follow them on a daily basis, talk about them, do podcasts about them every single day. When obvious stuff happens and people bring it up, like say, hey, Julio Jones is 32 years old. He missed seven games last year. He's probably going to be banged up in the future. Like he's not going to get healthier as his career goes on. It's questionable how much he's going to be able to stay on the field. And yet when those things get brought up, these people act like it's the most ridiculous thing ever. We're grasping at straws. We're trying for clickbait, all that crap. And we're wrong to bring it up. And not only are we wrong, we're idiots to bring it up and we should be embarrassed about it. And that drives me up the wall, RJ. Wow. Um, so are you still on the soapbox? Like, do I have to shout to the top here, like, to, to reach your ears? You know what I mean? Like, because you're on the soapbox about this. You're really upset. Yeah, well, you know what it stems from? It stems from the whole 49ers quarterback thing this year. Because all the 49ers beat writers and a lot of the national media people were saying, Kyle Shanahan loves Mac Jones and he's going to go Mac Jones. And I feel like everybody at Niners Nation and a lot of the other 49ers podcasters were saying, that makes no bleeping sense. You don't trade up to number three because you like Mac Jones, the guy you can find in any draft coming out. And those people, the the Niners beat writers and some of the national people, like we, they were making fun of us. Like they were acting like anybody that thought that he wasn't going for Mac Jones is an idiot because we don't have sources and this, that, and the other thing. 
And yet, lo and behold, what do we find out? He was never really in on Mac Jones. He loved Trey Lance since January, and the 49ers go in that direction. And I feel like stuff like that happens all the time, where if you just look at what's happening and you apply logic to it, you can reach conclusions that make total sense without having to get laughed at. I think this is a fair take. I thought about it. I digested it. <laughs> and I think this is fair. The It's more fair with regards to the 49ers and the Mac Jones thing. And kudos to you for finding a way to still talk about Mac Jones, Kyle Shanahan, and Trey Lance and the 49ers because that is the, the true stats way. Um, by the way, when does the new season of The Mandalorian come out? Like, I'm waiting on the trailer. That's a whole different topic. I need to watch the new Loki show and stuff. Um, but I said the way. You know, that's the pun. Anyway, but oh, okay. uh, <laughs> anyway, um, I kind of – get Julio a little bit because I also think this is and you know what I really hate is a whole different like soapbox I think that we have ruined the Jordan I took it personal meme from the last dance (laughs) we like it's enough okay like it got a lot of great play everybody takes it personally you don't have to do the meme anymore that being and that's not me taking it personally that's just pointing out that we can stop with the meme taking it personally I do think that this is Julio Jones like motivating himself, right? Like, oh man, I'm no, I'm no longer wanted. I'm the greatest player in Atlanta Falcons franchise history. They traded me away for a second round pick. You know, I'm going to show everyone why I'm great again. So I have less of a problem with it in this particular instance. Although you're right, it is fair to be all Julio, dude. You missed some time. You're a little bit older. Your team that loved you was willing to let you go. Maybe you've lost it a little bit, right? Like it, it truly is a situation where the results will dictate who is wrong, who is right, and who we make fun of. I just don't want to hear the guy who's been on the injury report seemingly every week of his friggin' career with a hamstring strain, who is 32 years old, who missed a significant portion of the season last year. Tell me, oh, stay tuned if you're worried about my health. Like, yeah, dude, I will. And you know what? I bet you don't play 16 games this year. I'm pretty sure you're going to be banged up and I'm pretty sure you're going to miss time because that's what happens in the history of this league. Like we're not pulling this stuff out of thin air, you know, like we have a hundred seasons in the NFL of history to look back on. And history says 32 year old dudes with a history of injuries get hurt. It's not like Julio, if he does get hurt after like the first game he misses when it's, you know, Sunday morning and it's like Tennessee Titans inactive. Julio Jones. It's not like Julio's going to tweet, you know what, guys? It's my bad. You know, I, <laughs> I, I said I was good. I was wrong. I'll eat this L, right? Um, but all of that being said, this is a this is a cousin of – we talked about Dak Prescott a little while ago. Dak is such a great teammate. He has said that both Tyron Smith and Ezekiel Elliott are, guess what, stats – in the best shape that they've oh, ever been. Oh, here in. we go. <laughs> <laughs> and so this is a cousin of that. But you know what I mean? Like, you know, oh, uh, aging veteran who's coming off of an injury plague season believes he's going to prove the doubters wrong. Tell me I've never seen this story before. Right. And that's why, like, it drives me nuts that Julio is saying that, which I, I guess, you know, I get it. Like, he's got to motivate himself. That's fine. But like you said, He's not going to take the L if he starts getting banged up. But if he does happen to stay healthy, you better believe he's going to try and rub it in everybody's faces and make him eat some crow. Uh, and then this is a situation, too, where because he does have this entourage already, um, it will kind of be the like the way the, the Buccaneers were all 
surrounding Tom Brady this year, right? Like, they'll go, you know what I mean? Because, like, they're part of it. If Julio Jones is a baller in 2021, nobody will be more vocal about it than A.J. Brown. You know, he'll be like, I told y'all, this dude, you know what I mean? Like, he'll be rubbing it in all of our faces. Um, and good for them. Like, if, and I'm a firm believer in that. Like, if you prove somebody wrong, you should tell them. That's That's what makes sports awesome. Like, it's awesome when you can rub something in someone's face. I, look, if he proves me wrong, he proves me wrong. Like, there's nothing you can say. Like, what am I going to say if he plays 16 games? Well, he could have gotten hurt, but yeah, he didn't. So, you know, if I'm wrong, I'll take the L. That's fine. But I just, the idea that, like, we're crazy for bringing it up just drives me nuts. It reminds me of when Shaq got traded to the Suns, and he was like, oh, everybody thinks I can't run. What? You'll say, yeah, dude, you're like 400 pounds. You can't run. And guess what? He couldn't run. It didn't work out in Phoenix at all. Shocker. I want to come up with like a an either or here to um to kind of test how willing you are to not believe in Julio Jones. I know you're really more perturbed by his comment than you are your unbelief, but I also know that your loyalty to your own takes might drive you to make an irrational decision. <laughs> uh, so all of that being said, um, what number is higher in 2021? The number of games that Julio Jones plays or the number of interceptions that Trey Lance throws. And I'll give you the qualifier that we don't even know how many games Trey Lance is going to play. Oh, man, the number of games. Well, if, let's say Julio plays 16 games. Do I think Trey Lance is going to throw 16 interceptions? 17 no. in that case. What number oh, is 17, That's true. Yeah, 17. Um, and, it could, and again, it could be like in 10 games, you know what I mean, for Trey Lance, you know, because – it's I, I told you I I don't I don't need like a, a a hedge of oh it has to be at least nine and a half games whatever not nah, it could be whatever I'm I'm willing to put this out there I guess the number of games Julio plays I'll say um, is I don't know it's higher yeah because if Trey Lance doesn't get in till week ten and Kyle Shanahan puts him on the Jimmy Garoppolo NFC Championship game plan where he's only throwing nine passes. Like there's there's a lot of variables there with Trey Lance and his interception total. So I guess I'll take Julio. I thought you were going to ask me what number is higher, the number of games Julio Jones plays or the number of touchdowns Julio Jones catches. And then you were going to really put me in a box. Nah, because Julio's going to catch. He's going to be a double digit touchdown dude easily. Like they didn't trade for him to not. Oh, I don't think he ball. is. Uh, I'm willing to say he is, and but what I I just want to say what I love about my hypothetical is either way you lose because if Julio <laughs> plays a lot of games you have to eat some crow, and if Trey Lance especially in like ten games outperforms him in this particular contest, it is going to be a rough fall in the stats household. Although there will be some good road trips where you won't have to work as much as we defined earlier. You're supposed to put me in the opposite position. You're my co-host. You're my co-pilot. Like, you're supposed to be building me up here, not knocking me down. It wouldn't be a true back and forth. I don't know. This is something uh, BLG. I don't think we asked. I started like six thoughts at once here. (laughs) So uh, BLG had a great question when you guys asked for uh, follows slash subscriptions, depending on what operating software you're using on your iPhone, uh, ratings and reviews on the SB Nation NFL show feed. And BLG asked people to tell us how they found the SB Nation NFL show. A very cool thing. I'm going to ask for a different thing. What like notable pair are you and I stats like in pop culture? You know what I mean? Well, who... 
who are we? Like, I'm, I'm curious to, to see who people think we are, like who, who we, how we kind of round people out. Cause maybe it isn't a, a pair that elevates one another. Maybe it's one that, that, you know, butts heads and is, is always like fun and, and rigid against one another. Like oil and water. No, like it has to be like characters, dude. Like I think actually a good example is like you're Walter White and I'm Jesse Pinkman. Like you bring an astute <laughs> level of wisdom. I bring the fun and the pizzazz. That's how I'm kind of envisioning this. Hmm. You don't swear as much as Jesse. That's true. Uh, BLG is our mic from the show. Like just this kind oh. of like this presence that comes in and we don't really understand it, uh, but we know that we need it. You know what I'm saying? And Pete is uh, Pete is skinny Pete. <laughs> <laughs> the greatness of Breaking Bad can be can be encapsulated in the end of Mike Airman Trout, and I guess oh. I don't really have to avoid spoilers. But just the fact that things ended with him the way that they did shows the greatness of that show. Because normally shows would give a character with that kind of stature. A, a much, much, much longer and more significant send-off. And Breaking Bad didn't do that because that fits more into the nature of their show. And that's why it was great. Yeah, it was great. So I don't know, though. Maybe we're a different notable pair across pop culture history. Maybe it's not, you know, Mr. White. I, that was a great, like, subtle detail the show always had was that Jesse always called him Mr. White. Like, it added to the teacher thing. Um, but Mr. White and Jesse. Or, or are we somebody else? So subscribe slash follow uh, the SB Nation NFL show. Subscribe to and leave a rating right review. We forgot to say that, Stats. We're not even doing our jobs right here. I've, you know what? That's on me. I, I'm going to – I'll take the L on that one. I let oh, us down. Julio style. Okay. Yep. See, I'm willing to do it when it happens. It's rare. When it does happen, I admit it. That's the way we should be. Rate, mm. review, follow, subscribe, all that good stuff. If you have any other questions for us, please hit us up. We promise you we will answer them on the show. He's on Twitter at RJ Ochoa. I am at Stats on Fire. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. Hope you have a good time. Spend some time outside, possibly with an adult beverage. Enjoy the weekend, and we will talk to you next week. Stats loves Julio Jones. <laughs>